What a sign it is creaking. We see your lost soul with our wandering eye. There's only one light on, and the darkness is creeping. There's only one light, and the chill in the air. We promise you story. Hello friend, come in, take a look around. When you finish browsing, why not come to the fire? We promise we won't bite. We might even tell you a story. Or two. Maybe offer you a biscuit? Or two. This week's flavour is cinnamon and orange twills. Mm. Now where were we? Ah, yes. You arrive at the house just before eight. It's misty tonight and the street lamps don't quite illuminate the path. The clacking of your heel seems to reverberate through the night air. There's an orange glow spreading across the cobbles from a window in the basement. Sucking in a deep breath, you descend the stairs, taking one last look over your shoulder at the damp English street you reach forward and wrap your knuckles on the door. Perhaps you shouldn't have come. Mediums have a bad reputation after all. Didn't your mother always tell you that believing in ghosts was foolish? But you're here, and the tall, bespectacled man who opened the door seems impatient. Helen's about to start, you best hurry, he barks. You step into the basement removing your gloves hastily as you walk down the narrow corridor. At the end is a door that's slightly ajar. Nervous chatter leaks through the gap, and taking a steadying breath, you enter the room. A semicircle of mahogany chairs frame a thin black curtain. The air is thick with the smell of melting wax. Behind the drapes is an overweight woman slumped in her seat, dressed in a long black gown. Her eyes are hidden behind a blindfold and the wall of candles behind her illuminate the space, albeit rather dimly. The other visitors cast an eye over you. There are around ten other people, mostly men, some with hopeful gazes, others with sneering teeth. You quickly take a seat at a chair near the middle, Equally curious and apprehensive about witnessing the sometimes vaporous, sometimes viscous, substance you've heard referred to as ectoplasm, due to escape from Helen's body. As the clock strikes eight, the door to the room slams shut, causing several flames to extinguish. The crowd gasps, fervent whispers spreading as people rush to take their seats. Behind the curtain, 
Helen smiles, the curve of her mouth gentle, as if she's half asleep. Welcome, she says, her Scottish drawl thick and merry. You come here tonight in search of proof. This is not something I can guarantee. Believe me or don't, the choice is yours, but do not deny yourself that choice. As you listen, you fidget in your chair. The hard wood is uncomfortable and you feel a chill on your bare arms. Perhaps one of the windows is ajar, letting in the cold evening breeze. But the curtains aren't moving and the other patrons don't seem to notice, too engrossed in Helen's words. You turn back to see the woman sat bolt upright, as if held by a string. Her fists are clenched, resting on the arms of the chair as if steeling herself against unseen forces. It's a good job I love her. The poor thing's useless. Beside you, the nervous gentleman gasps and desperately looks around for the man who had spoken. Some of the others do too. The deep voice had seemed to come from the back of the room, escaping from the shadowy corners. But you were watching Helen, and that voice, however impossible, had come from her. Enraptured, you watch her lips closely, astounded when the voice speaks again, this time berating Helen's husband, Henry, the man who had opened the door to you, not that you were aware. If you had been to one of Helen's previous seances, you would know that her spirit guide, Albert, had a particular distaste for her husband. His accent bordered between English and Australian, often going up an octave when he became agitated. He spoke to one man to the right, demanding to know his intentions with the young woman he'd met while working in the greengrocers. Probing question after question, Albert seemed to relish in the boy's discomfort. You watch closely, dropping your eyes to the ground when he turns in your direction, keen to avoid any questions from this impolite spirit. After he's had his fun, Albert leaves as quickly as he came, Helen slumping backwards again, beads of sweat running down her forehead. These trances seem to take much from her, and that pulls at your heartstrings. You remind yourself quickly to focus on what you came here for. A childish giggle rings out, now coming from behind Helen, rather than out of her. In the darkness behind the curtain, you see a white shadow start to approach Helen's chair. Somewhere in the flat, another door slams. Then you hear another giggle. You're reminded of a birthday party for your young nephew you attended a few months before, a simple game of hide-and-seek in the dark. Hello, Peggy, Helen breathes. She seems exhausted, her eyes staring forward, boring a hole into the man sat directly in front of her, who looks rather bored. It's definitely a figure there behind Helen, small and slightly hunched, the white form seeming to sway side to side. The space where you imagine its head to be turns to each member of the audience, one by one, before focusing on the woman in the chair. Helen's head suddenly drops, hanging loosely, a 
An awful hacking sound comes from her throat, somewhere between a cough and a retch. You pull the collar of your dress away from your neck as your throat becomes dry. Another giggle rings out across the room, amplified by the stunned silence of an audience watching the medium's orifices leak the famed ghostly substance, ectoplasm. As the white substance flows out of Helen's left nostril, seeming to be pulled by invisible fingers, Peggy begins to sing. As the spirit sang, ectoplasm leaked from Helen's nose and mouth, thick wet clouds pooling in her lap and dripping to the floor. The nervous gentleman next to you has fainted. A woman on the other side of the room is hysterical, clawing at the exit, which seems to have been locked from the other side. The man with the sneer suddenly lunges forward through the curtain, seizing a handful of the ectoplasm from Helen's lap. Suddenly alert, Helen wrenches it from his hand, cursing in language that would make sailors blush. The accent sounds like Albert's. Henry Duncan bursts into the room, attempting to restrain his wife's attacker, who pulls down the curtain, exposing sheets of cloth and paper mache models. You see Helen shoving something that looks like cheesecloth into her gown pocket. She looks weak and furious. Someone shouts fraud. Another screams faker. Your stomach drops. You thought, perhaps, Helen was truly gifted. She certainly seemed to give over her body to the spirits. You had heard the stories, of course. Doctors examining her as she communicated with the dead. Invasive treatments where every orifice was searched and her dignity stripped away. There was also talk of her violent rages, seeming to be overtaken by malevolent forces. It was so unlikely that a woman was capable of such anger. But you had also heard the stories of her school day prophecies that terrified students and professors alike when they came true. Helen's fame spread across the UK as you were growing into adulthood. Her communication with departed souls recorded facts with startling clarity. She seemed so powerful to you, trapped in a body which was plagued by illness and exhaustion, yet able to summon and control spirits. How many could claim that kind of strength? As the lamps chase the shadows away, 
it's easy for you to see the fraudulent attempts the Duncans made to fool their clients. By keeping the room dark, the models seemed far more convincing. You clutched the token your lover gave you before leaving on the battleship HMS Barham, several months before. It wasn't like him not to write, and it had been many weeks since you'd received any post. While everything in you wishes it not to be true, you know deep down that a tragedy must have befallen the ship. The Navy won't return your telegrams, and you had hoped that Helen may have had some insight. Sighing, you bend down to pick up your purse. Helen has collapsed in the corner, pale and shaking, as if suffering from a fever. Her husband is still trying to pull the man from the room. The other clients file out, muttering under their breath. A soft giggle behind you makes the hairs on the back of your neck stiffen. Glancing over at Helen, you see she has passed out. In the opposite corner of the room, another verse of Loch Lomond begins. Goodbye, Peggy, you say, careful to keep your voice steady. You keep your eyes down, walking quickly towards the door. When you hear the word spiritualism, I imagine what first comes to mind are images of exquisitely dressed Victorians sat around a circular table and clutching each other's hands. There's probably a single candle placed at the centre of the table, the only light in the room. The medium's face would show spooky and haggard in the dim uplighting. Her previously rosy and inviting complexion, distorted by long shadows. Perhaps it's now she recites a prayer. Each guest holds their breath in the heavy silence that follows before the table starts to shake and the medium closes her eyes, begins to sway, mumbles something under her breath. The guests look at each other nervously, trying to size up who might be most likely to break first. A portly man with a large moustache harumphs and seems about to open his mouth when the medium's head shoots up, eyes snapping open. The guests are shocked to stillness, all eyes staring raptly at the strange woman clad all in black. When the medium opens her mouth, demanding one of them ask a question, the voice that comes out isn't quite hers. A small, mousy woman is, surprisingly, the first to talk. She asks about her husband. The medium, in that not-quite-her voice, relays her question. Is her Reggie there? Is he okay? The medium asks only the first question, adding the request that the spirit knock twice for yes and once for no. The group tenses, 
subconsciously leaning in towards one another as though seeking shelter from the inky darkness that has created a void around them. All attention glued to the flickering candle at the centre of their little circle. Stillness reigns. Not a breath is heard. Then, from under the table, two resounding knocks shatter the silence. It's firstly important to note that that little exercise is obviously a work of fiction. There are a few assumptions often made about spiritualism which are just as untrue. For one, the idea that in Victorian times, spiritualist interests were dominated by the elite. Certainly, there were mediums who had a host of very rich and high-standing guests, but in the north of England, spiritualism belonged primarily to the working classes. And the mediums themselves, most of these being women, often also came from working-class backgrounds. These mediums occupied a different space to their middle-class counterparts, mostly to do with social assumptions made at the time about class distinction. But this was a chance for many working-class women to transcend social boundaries that would likely have otherwise seen them destined for difficult and sometimes destitute lives. There weren't many professions a Victorian woman of any social standing could do without great wealth or the support of a man, be it their husband or their father. Mediumship represented a loophole for working-class women to become truly independent, even, ironically, through supposedly giving over their bodies as a vessel for spirits. The major sexualization of the female form particularly that of the working-class woman, in the 18th century meant the reinforcing of the notion that the worth of a woman's body is measured in her fertility and ability to bear and raise children. Women's roles were firmly planted in the home. They were the caretakers of the family. In ancient Greece, it was believed that the womb was essentially an upside-down pith, which you may know as an urn, or the open-topped terracotta jar the muses are painted on in Disney's Hercules. And that women had almost no role in conception other than as an incubator. It was thought that everything that made a child came from a man, and as such, a woman or a mother had no claim or right to her own children. The Greeks also believed in wandering wombs, the idea that a uterus could move about the body, inciting symptoms which parallel very closely the Victorian condition of female hysteria. If spiritualism hadn't been so popular, it's very possible that the very women who took on the guise as mediums may very well have come under fire as being hysteric. As it is, the role of medium allowed a woman to use what were considered socially to be truths about gender norms 
against a society that sought to oppress them. One particular working class medium, Emma Harding Britton, wrote an autobiography that was published posthumously in 1900. In it, she adds to a common mythology that the body of the medium is completely at the whim of the spirits, and as such, the woman involved remains completely passive. In this, she manages to convince society that she acts through no agency of her own, and is permitted the particular reverence that comes along with those who report being taken over by the spirit of Christ. Here we can draw parallels between Christianity and spiritualism and see how what is seemingly an occult practice was able to thrive in a time where religion still had a great hold over the United Kingdom. Some even saw spiritualism as an offshoot or even proof of Christianity. Within the world of mediumship, life after death was real and the possibility of reaching heaven believable. The Victorians and Edwardians lived much closer to death than we do today, and none more so than those in the industrialised North. Manchester was a small village up until the late 18th century and beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Factories sprang up like weeds, choking and contaminating the people with acrid smoke and poisonous substances. Working in these factories was dangerous, particularly for children who were often used to climb into small and hard-to-reach places where they could easily become trapped or stuck, and heaven forbid the machine should be turned on by an oblivious foreman. Unsurprisingly, one of the biggest killers other than machine accidents, was disease. Working in cramped and filthy conditions, diseases such as typhoid and cholera ripped through families and factories. There was little to no understanding of what caused these conditions, and as such, no precautions that we would recognise today were ever taken. It's odd to think about growing up in a world where your parents never would have taught you to wash your hands, simply because they didn't know to. In Newcastle in the late 19th century, two mediums, Catherine Wood and Annie Fairlam, were making names for themselves. Both women belonged to the Newcastle Society for the Investigation of Spiritualism and came from working class backgrounds, but diverged largely when it came to their reputations. Catherine Wood kept her mediumship mostly private and spent her time entertaining richer spiritualist clients for a price. She moved on from summoning generic or famous spirits into her person to those people that her guests would know best and therefore get the most from. And of course, it's far more impressive to bring a deceased relative into a room than, say, that of the Native American Pocahontas, stolen from her native land, whose ghost was previously a part of her routine. Annie Fairlam, on the other hand, took her talents to public spaces. 
In this way, she earned a different kind of attention, though it seems that out of this duo, Fairlam was the more pious. It's reported that Wood lived to the full extent to which her economic circumstances could provide, whereas Fairlam preached spiritual purity. Whether it was part of the act or not, and despite multiple exposures, she was insistent of her reputation as the only person in the United Kingdom of undoubted materialising faculty. That is to say that she could always be counted on to produce a relation or spirit control. A particular spirit, which a medium regularly called upon during seances to help them better communicate with other spirits. Towards the end of the 19th century, spiritualism was declining in popularity, as was the number of female mediums. Both the autonomy of women and the working class was increasing. Within the span of 20 years, working class men had the right to vote in government elections, and certain women were allowed to vote within specific confines. Just a taste of this kind of social power was not enough. Feminist thinking rose steadily in popularity, certainly in no small part thanks to the work of working class women who took on the title of medium. Whether you believe in the ability to commune with spirits, or if you even believe in the afterlife at all, it's indisputable that without the spiritualists who broke social, class and gender boundaries, the world we inhabit today would not be the same, and some freedoms we take for granted may have been much harder won. We do this awkward hello every week, but we I yeah, we out. yeah, we need something like spooky. I don't even know what's like. <laughs> doesn't really scream hi, does it? Try that noise. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I mean, I still sound like a bit of crystal ball, so I mean, maybe. I mean, that's that totally true. Um, but yeah, hey folks. Back again with another week of. Back again. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. One day we shall not be awkward. Really? Yeah, No, that's never gonna happen. Sorry. I mean, you're you're in the fucking crystal ball. You should be reading our future right now. Meg, what what does our future hold? Come on, Mystic Mag. Cats. That's decent. I want a cat. Yeah, me too. Uh, cats and being able to touch people. That'd be nice. <laughs> Just um, random people? Like, yeah. like, Is salad anyone? fingers? Does anyone remember that? Just like... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Nightmare fuel. No, thank you. That's spooky, there you go. <laughs> Do you remember when we were gonna do like 
the Harry Hill TV highlights of the week, oh but spooky version. What what did we call? I can't even remember what we called it now. Wasn't it just spooky I I honestly don't know. I just um. Spooky story. No, because I think it was something to do with like feminism and bullshit facts. Well, I know that we so. For everyone that's listening, this is so essentially. Obviously, we brought this podcast out during lockdown. We had a plan to make this podcast about two and a half years ago, and just never really got around to it. I mean, to be honest, longer than that because we've been living in Edinburgh nearly three years, and we were talking about doing a, cl- a podcast before, before we, we left. Yeah. yeah. When we first got here, we didn't have anything to do, so we just hung out in the library loads and <laughs> Because uh, we are nice. nerds. Um, none of the notes I've used since we've made the podcast. No. No, I think that was a different one, but I'm, yeah. I, they've sort of become merged in my mind over time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we never did that. Maybe we'll start doing that. <laughs> Just facts that piss off the Catholic Church every church. week. <laughs> <laughs> I like the historic Catholic Church. There's, there's no shade. No tea, no shade. Except we're all tea, and quite a lot of shade. No, no tea. All tea? I don't like tea. We bring the truth. We tea. reveal it. I drink tea just because Tea's you right. are a heathen. Like, we knew that. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that is actually topical. Unlike what we're talking about in comparison to what this week's episode was about. Uh, this Remember is not. Remember when we thought this bit was going to be professional? <laughs> Remember when we thought we were ever going to be professional? <laughs> True. True. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> See, I've actually like I've I've said this to some people before who who've listened to it and they've actually told me they they really like it. Okay. Just literally us like, you know, just. I was gonna say what is it chewing the fat? But that's a disgusting turn of phrase. I do not. As long as it's like. Vegan. <laughs> no, I meant like chewing the fat is just gross and like. Yeah, vegan products don't really have fat. No. Chewing the the vegan gelatin. Sure. It's a bit wordy. We'll 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 think on it and we'll get back to you if we remember. Cause. Stay tuned. Probably not this week though, to be honest. But there you go. But yeah, like what what Meg was saying is like I've listened to podcasts before that uh, name and no names because I still love y'all. But it's been really hard to get into it because they open with twenty minutes of chat, which I have no frame of reference for. And like because I've just found them, like yeah. I'm there for like the folklore or like the true crime or whatever it is, and. You know, like, I end up skipping through to try and find it, and, like, 
it's just not, you know, it's just, just, just not really what too much. I want. Yeah. It's too much. We're here for the murder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the ghosts. And the ghosts. So, um, yeah, and the ghosts. Um, for the people who follow our Instagram, I hope you enjoy the lovely picture of Helen, uh, of the meeting <laughs> that I talk about, and her, uh, her spirit. Mm. I guess the bar wasn't very high back then, though. And everything's, like, when was it? Was there electric light? Because if everything was done by... Or, or e even gaslight, really, That's what like... I mean, like, the lack of electric light is... is it was much... It's not stupid, but it was much darker. Mm. Things are scarier in the dark. Mm -hmm. Always. So, like, no one's having a seance in a brightly lit room. I can't even have, like any limbs out of the bed at night when all the lights are turned off it's, it's just limbs any limbs no <laughs> <laughs> my limbs sarah can do whatever the hell she wants with her limbs and as for the other limbs in the house well we don't talk about those um no i just like i have to cocoon yeah, myself case, yeah exactly that they like the i am a grown ass human who also has a bed that you can't even fucking store anything under let alone like i can't even get my skinny ass under the bed right without getting stuck so like no fucking demon can fucking fit under there and yet like if i have like a toe at the duvet i'm like they're gonna get me they're gonna come and get me the fear is real <laughs> yeah i'm so comfortable it's so funny like the house that i grew well one of the houses i grew up in the one that my parents are currently living in gloucester i think we've lived there like 10 years maybe more and whenever i go home maybe because i don't live there anymore i get really creeped out but i've now lived in my flat for three years nearly three years yeah and um i don't get scared i watch so many horror films in here i see now i say this i'm gonna get scared but <laughs> i watched something the other night which really freaked me out and i was just walking around in the dark in this flat like la 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 to be fair it's probably the light from sienna's tank See, if I'd got my girls, girls, girls sign like in neon light before I left, could have gone above her tank. Would have been perfect. Would have been great. I think for for me as well is it's like uh, I always have loads of mirrors in my house, um, and we have one at one end of the hall now, and the shower is at the other end. So like you can't leave the door open because if you accident, I mean, like, who leaves the door open when they shower anyway? It's cold. Like, how much money do you have to spend on your heating if you're doing that? Um, but yeah, like if 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 you do somehow leave the door open, you catch a glimpse of yourself moving or something at the end of the hall. It's like it's such a perfect place for it, and the light bounces off it, and it brightens the space because it's an interior corridor. But also, it scares the shit out of me sometimes. <laughs> I went, um, I was looking around a space for work today, went around the corner, and it's an office space. Um, so, I knew there were toilets there, I was going in to make sure the toilet's flushed and everything, because that's the fun part of my job. <laughs> and uh, there was a shower in there, which I wasn't expecting, so I went around like a weird tiled corridor, and I was like, why the fuck is there a corridor in this toilet? What is happening? Um, and yeah, there was like a frosted shower door. And like, 
there was nothing creepy about it, but it really freaked me out. And then I walked out and couldn't find my colleague. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it, was, it was not scary in any way, but I was just walking around like, hello. <laughs> and it was fine. Oh, Christ. Uh, the joys, the joys. Yeah, I'm t- who the fuck showers in their office? But, like, we, we had. Me and you have had this conversation before about showers in weird places. Like, in school, like, who the fuck yeah, showers after PE? Like, the only reason, the only people who use the shower cubicles in PE are the people, like, who are massively body conscious, and so they get changed in the stalls. Mm. That's See, it. In my school, we didn't even have shower cubicles, it was just an open thing with shower heads everywhere. Prison they style! <laughs> British school kids are gross. Anyway, you get mud on you. No, like, but you get mud on you in PE, and that's just how you stay for the rest of the day. That's just that. That's your life now. (laughs) No one's fucking stripping off at school. That's grim. How did we get here? I don't know. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Pick, pick one, because I don't have an answer for any of them. All of the above. Mhm. Oh. Anyway, spiritualism. Yeah, I, I was gonna say one thing first though, mm. in that like, on my quest for creepy books and sort of you know books which are on sort of bizarre and macabre things, I've actually collated a pretty good list at this point because I was scrolling back through it the other day. Uh, although I had a scary moment where. Um, the the app that I have them on didn't load properly and I thought fuck fuck have they all been deleted and I was like because it's the app for my work as well and it tells me whether or not they're available and like exactly yeah but it just turned out it was the app fucking bugging out which it does all the time anyway sorry work but it does um yeah, it's it's not great, uh, but it works, and I have the list on there. So like, if anyone's interested, like, because there's there's a lot of really cool either photography books, um, like oh fuck, I can't remember his name. He's actually just released a book. He he's a, he's an amazing photographer, and the newest book is about his cat, which he's dressed up in various ways. But they are amazing photos. They are amazing photos, but normally he does very sort of macabre photography. He was a guy I told you about who went around Europe finding like relics, like skeletal relics that were just like pushed under pews and stuff in churches. And they're all like crazy gilded and like, um, it's one thing the Catholic church got right was it's bling. Uh, it's dead people bling. But yeah, so I've got loads of books like that, or like the Welcome Collection. If you've never heard of the Welcome Collection, and you love books on like, um... Everything we say sounds bad, because I was about to say if you love books on diseases, or murder, or... There's a really good one that's just come out called Murder Maps, which is... Yeah, 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 which is like Maps of London, I think. I'm obsessed with the Welcome Collection, I've got quite a few of their books, so... Yeah, like a lot of them, they are, they are medical, most of them. Um, so I have um, the one on diseases, um, mm-hmm. sick pros. Mm-hmm. Um, I've forgotten what they're all called now. 
there's Can I put a, a page on our website of all our recommendations? Yeah, and I was thinking maybe I'd do a little thread on um, Instagram as well yes. to add to the one I did the other day, which I've made a specific um, story thread for when one of us is walking around in graveyards because a lot of people seem to like yes. those ones where I'm just like, hello, this is me in the dark. Here's a watchtower. Hello, it's me. Please don't demonetize us before you even paid us. We um we we were you are absolutely we were using stock photos at the beginning but they yes yeah 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 we're not infringing on anybody's art or rights or anything but from now on we're we're doing our we're doing our which is why I was in the graveyard. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we were chatting. We were chatting on Facebook for ages, and you were like, "Oh, she goes, she goes." Where are you going? Graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Of course. But like, it's when, when, when like the mist or the fog, and up here it's called the heart. When it like comes down heavy, you can't see shit. I live next to an inactive volcano, which you can't fucking see. Like, for all you know, the mist just extends into the ether, like into the void. It goes on forever. You wouldn't know that there's like a fuck off mountain behind there. It's I crazy. Live next to the like your neighbor's house. Your neighbor's house is gone. Like the house across the street. Like, but it's so cool. Like, people complain about the weather up here, but when is you it get. I don't know. Scottish Drake. What's that? Drake. It's like the really misty, rainy grosslands. I was in a taxi earlier with a mm. guy in Aberdeen, um, and yeah, he, I think it's Drake. He was saying. Yeah. Drake and Mizzle. Mi- which I'm assuming is Misty Drizzle. But. Mizzle is one that like I've heard from my f- uh, family in Devon. Because down in, in Plymouth, they again, it, it's sort of like a coastal city. So I, I think it's a combination of being really close to the coast, of it being cold, and also because like land rises really steeply here, and it, it, it does it in, in Plymouth as well. And, um, and Falmouth. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's to do with terrain and... I don't know, I'm not a geologist. I'm guessing here. If you do know, then probably don't tell us because I'm not that interested. Yeah, but we thanks. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it I looks cool. Right. But yeah, spiritualism! Woo! Yeah. And this is why we it is, it really it's is. Really hard to say on yeah, but you know, like we've already given you a healthy dose of spiritualism, and we don't want to sort of talk your ear off about it. But no. we want to keep this organic as well. It's fun yeah. for us, so hopefully it's fun yeah. for you. We really hope you're you're enjoying like the kind of mix of writing styles that we've got going on, and it's not sort of breaking it up for you because we do write our pieces separately. I mean, we do the whole of the podcast separately right now. Obviously, we still can't be together. Like, hopefully, like. We are literally long lost lovers. 
Literally. Yeah. Like, I am Jasper's other wife. My, my, my actual wife knows this. I'm a lucky man, yes, for now. Sure. One day Jasper will be out of the picture, and it will just be me and Sarah. Are you gonna kill me? Yeah. Make it dramatic. Of course. Like, I know you hate glitter, but if you're gonna kill me- There's no glitter involved. There's no, there has there. to be glitter involved. No, there's no glitter involved. No, you're gonna wear a ridiculously beautiful flowing suit. Like a Crimson Peak style dress, but a suit. Mm. Or a mix of the two, I don't know. And I'm gonna kill you in a gothic mansion. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not murdered in that way, then what's the fucking point? Mm, There'll be true. candles everywhere. Um, it'll be very beautiful. I'll do you justice. That's fair. And then Just I will marry like, your wife. remember not to cremate me. Yes. Just you know, stick me in a hole in the ground, please. Yeah. Do you want any? Because like, I want to be a silver birch. Do you want any trees? No remains don't go that great with growing things, so. I don't know. Okay. Just let the birds eat me. I'll, um, I'll get a gravestone made of um, bag of chips. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just hurt th that. Chips, I'm gonna, chips. I'm gonna. Yeah. So th this whole thing started like, if you don't watch UK Drag Race, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing with your life? Um, but basically. Um, she was a contender on the first season of UK Drag Race and Megan never seen it and I have a sticker of her face uh, frozen in an iconic moment on my mirror so I'm gonna have to take a photo and I'll, I'll put it on the stories. Um, and every time I went round, I was like, "What is that?" And I'd explain every time, but she wouldn't understand. And now, now Meg has has seen the light. She saw the episode and now understands spiritually what a beautiful moment for humanity it was. How it furthered our species <laughs> into the future. <laughs> I mean, I feel fulfilled. Now. Doesn't everyone? Doesn't bag of chips just fulfill you? Right? I love that we can talk about, like, murder, but also drag. Yeah. That's, I mean, those are the main two proponents of my life. I mean, I don't really know anything about it, but... You will I learn. To everything. You will learn. You will learn. Yeah. <sighs> like, I'm either talking about murder and, like, horror and true crime, or, like, See, like, no my, like, the main two parts of my personality are death positivity and sex positivity. So, like, tell me what you want to happen to your body after you die, but also then tell me your favourite position in bed. Like, let's do this. <laughs> well, you can deal with those <laughs> Like, please don't actually. Like, this is only people I know relative, re rel relatively well. I don't know, I just seem to get myself into these conversations with people. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Some of us have to be. <laughs> okay. I kind of think we've run out of time to talk about spiritualism. Right, you've already heard enough about it. Um, Let us know. 
Or who they'd be if they were a famous person. <gasps> Who's your spirit guide? Everyone's collective spirit guide, though. Can you imagine channeling Bob Ross, though? Mhm. Mm can we also can we also talk about like I've never really watched Most Haunted, and I started watching it because our friend Trish says I sound like Yvette Fielding, and I don't know how hey, to Trish. take that. Having hey Trish, having now watched some of it, what I didn't realize is that um, and I'm literally a few episodes in, so I'm sure there's many people listening who actually know like more about it than me but they have a spiritualist medium who has a spirit guide called sam and this guy uh, Derek akora i'm pretty sure he oh, was okay. outed yeah he was out as, as a i mean the whole show was out as a fake you know that's not why i'm watching it i'm not watching it for the ghosts i'm watching it for the 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 gay paranormal investigator with the really bad naughty's hair and the really um posh boy accent that's what i'm watching it for um but man Derek Akora is something else like wow did you not know who Derek Akora was? no no but I've never really seen Most Haunted but I know who Derek Akora is it's like it's some like I know I say this a lot I think I'm slightly too young to have been around when like it would have been the perfect time for me to start watching it I was I don't, you don't need to show off about it it's not showing off but I was probably still watching Mona the Vampire at the time I'm not going to talk about the episode that scarred me. <laughs> what I was going to say is that I found a load of them on YouTube about a month ago when I was feeling kind of depressed and watched loads of them. That's so good. <laughs> and that episode came up. That fucking episode played. bad and like in in the first few episodes that i've seen yvette fielding is wearing like a matrix creeper style floor length floor length le like leather duster and red leather trousers but she's got a haircut like princess fucking diana like it's insane like what were they doing and and it has all these like janky early two because the first season's 2001 can i point out i was like five and like, and, and just like the janky angles and the weird lighting, and it's so. Yeah, you, you kind of have to love it cause it's shit. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, speaking about shit things. <laughs> um, if you have Channel 4, <gasps> just go on Channel 4, yeah. Yes. You need to watch, it's called My Psychic Life. Um, and it is my favourite documentary. It's so funny. Like, I know we shouldn't laugh at people, but it's hysterical. Um, I think it's my psychic life. It sounds right. I mean, yeah. like... I'll, I'll post a thing about it on the story. Um, but it's just a group of mediums, and they're amazing. Like, I love all of them. There's one guy who's, like, a thousand percent gay. 
This is my beard. <laughs> what? But, but no, but like, I mean, I know you shouldn't stereotype people, but he's gay. He's gay. Now I can say that because I have a lot of queer friends. So I'm allowed. Right? I know gays. <laughs> you, have a, you have a free pass. To be fair, your gaydar's better than mine. My gaydar's amazing. Mine's terrible. I, what? No. I, I have an amazing gender queerdar. I can immediately tell when someone is trans or genderqueer, unless they, like, and I know that sounds really bad, but it's not a case of them not, like, passing or anything like that. Normally it's like, I'm so attuned to other trans and queer people, like, it's just something that's become ingrained in me now, and, like, I'm fine with that, because that means that, like, not all the time, but at least some of the time, because there are trans people out there who pass so well, you would never know and that's the way they like it um but it's like it's kind of a good thing to have because you can immediately clock someone and go mm, okay like we safe together it's okay i have depression doll you do Literally, i stop people from across the room you like, do it's like the otherness in me recognizes the otherness in you because there are so many ways that we are ostracized from society in like small ways and so really the thing that I tend to recognize in other queer people is unfortunately discomfort um, or like wariness in a way and I think that's that's sad I'm probably less likely to notice you if you're like queer and like confident. <laughs> yeah, but who's that? Right, right. <laughs> we we all have massive self-esteem issues, um, but also like, I, you know, like the, the there's a growing trend which I love is like trans people who don't need to pass and don't want to pass and like are absolutely fine with the nature of their transness and not needing to fit into a binary mode. So I love that. So I, I love sometimes when you can see someone who's really gender non-conforming and you're like, mm, I see you. Like, and the, I mean, they might not even be gender non-conforming. They might just be like a bloke in a dress, at which point I still I still salute you and I still see you. Like, well, there you go. And yeah, it's, it's the same with mental health, I think, when you can sort of sniff out the fact that like someone's been maybe even treated in a in a way maybe similar to you as well yeah i think it it 
it can come across as kinship as well. Definitely. Oh, right, we really need to stop talking. We've been talking for ages. Yeah, I said the other day that we need to make our shit talk shorter, but it's not happened. It's not happened, and I'm not about to edit it either. Because <laughs> it's a massive ball ache. <laughs> We applaud you. Yeah, we yeah. absolutely like well done. Like have a cookie. Um, I don't remember what it was this week, but have whatever delicious treat I mentioned. Yeah, treat yourself. Anyway, this is us signing off. We hope you enjoyed this week. We will be back next week with more spiritualism. Um, that is it. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm <laughs> if you see any ghosts, let us know. Please do. We may have found, may have found proof, found proof, found proof, found proof of aliens. Yeah. It may have been me. Do I hate that? Yes. I mean, I did say that sometimes it's aliens. I don't believe. <laughs> I believe there's life out there. Do I believe it would come and visit us? Fuck no. If it's smart enough to have created technology, why would they want anything to do with us? We're still fucking killing each other. Like. Yeah, I think they're probably out there, but they're all like, don't go to Earth. Right? Just, just don't. Yeah, there's probably like a big red sign somewhere above us just being like, avoid. At all costs, avoid. I would. There you go. Or like a beware of the dog sign. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> right, where you gonna go? I've been I am still Jasper. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Stay spooky. <laughs>